Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. your Bibles, grab them and turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 21, amen, Genesis chapter 21, Genesis chapter 21, and I'm going to read one verse in your hearing, it's on the screen, it says, and Abraham was a hundred years old. When Isaac was born, amen, you may be seated. Amen. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, he still has time. Amen. He still has time. Father, thank you. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. He still has time. We spend a lot of time in church uh, talking about faith, and I found out that many of us don't really understand uh, what faith really is. If you were to ask many of us who believe in God, we would say that we have faith, that uh, we've got big faith. Uh, We judge our faith based on our capacity to believe God for big things. Because I have the audacity to hope for things that can't be explained, to believe God for things that don't make sense. We would often say that we've got a lot of faith. But what I found out about faith is that faith is not necessarily our ability to believe God for big things. But it is addressed in our capacity to continue believing God for those things when it seems like Everything but those things are going to happen for us. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not really faith when the prophet prophesies to you and it comes to pass in 24 hours. That's not really faith. It's faith when you know you've heard a word from God, when you know that you have a promise from him. And instead of that promise coming to pass, it's like everything but that promise is coming to pass in your life. And you're going crazy because in spite of what God promised, everything in your life seems to be going in the opposite direction. He promised you increase, but you're still broke. He promised you a good relationship and a new group of friends, but you're still lonely. He promised to lift you up out of depression, uh, but you're still crying in the middle of the night. He promised you that things were going to get better, but you're still frustrated with your life and drowning under a flood of trial and trouble. And true faith, beloved, is tested not when things come to pass quickly. But true faith is tested when you and your friend go through the same worship experience. Y'all come down for the same altar call and both of you get a word, but you got to watch your friend get their blessing first. When you know that you tithe more, you go to church more, you're more faithful, but five years and a pandemic later, you're still waiting on God to manifest what he promised. And the question that we have to ask, beloved, is how do you handle it when you shout it? about God being an on-time God. 
But now it seems like the on-time God is taking his time. How, how, how do you handle it when you've been asking God to do something in your life? You've been waiting on him to do something for you. But it seems like God is taking his time. He still hasn't lifted you up. He still hasn't changed your credit score. He still hasn't gotten you that promotion. He still hasn't picked you up out of loneliness. He still hasn't given you a purpose and told you what you're supposed to do. And you're waiting on God. But is there anybody here who can be honest and, and, and say you're a little like me and that you get frustrated with God because you feel like your life should be moving a little bit faster? Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Is there anybody here that can say, God, I love you. I want to serve you. I'm in it to win it. But, Lord, I'm sick of seasons like this. God, help me. Is there anybody here who can say I've matured to the place uh, where I'm not tired of trouble. I'm just tired of these kind of trouble. I, I, know, I know that on every level that there is a new devil, that on every level there is a new place, there is a new thing that I've got to fight, a new battle that I've got to come to grips with. I understand that. Uh, but God, I'm tired of being this broke. I'm, I'm tired of crying about this thing. I'm tired of being depressed about this and dealing with these kind of people around me and dealing with these kind of frustrations. God, I'm sick of these seasons and I'm waiting on you to fix it. And the truth is nobody really likes to wait. And I don't care how spiritual you are, nobody likes to wait on God. All of us have a desire to see God do what he promised. All of us have a desperate longing to see our faith rewarded. And if we'd be honest, we really want to see it sooner rather than later. Uh, but our faith in God, beloved, can't be rewarded until our faith in God has been tested. And most often, when God decides to test our faith, God tests it with a test of time. Yeah, not with a test of strength, oh God, not with a test of how well you know the Bible, uh, not with the test of how much you can speak in tongues and how much oil you can find to lay hands on everything in your house. No, God tests you with the test of time. God wants you to wait on your manifestation. I know that's a tough pill to swallow uh, because the truth is nobody likes to wait. But the reality of our walk with God is that sometimes God will speak a word to you and God will make a promise to you. But when God makes the promise to you, God doesn't tell you that there is a waiting period between the time that the promise is made and the time that the promise comes to pass. This is because more than there are things that God wants to do for you, there are things that God wants to do in you. And if God does something for you before he does something in you, then the old you will mess up the new thing that God is trying to put in your hand. This is why God will make you a promise and then it'll seem as if God is taking his time bringing it to pass. It's because God wants to make sure that you're prepared for what he's preparing for you. God help me. Oh God but what makes it worse is the devil then because he knows there's a word over your life and beloved more often than not the devil oh God because he was present when God put this thing in motion he knows what the word over your life is and so what he'll do is he'll see 
sin, difficulty and distraction and trial and tribulation into your life that totally contradicts the promise that God made because he knows he can't stop God from keeping his word to you but if he frustrates you enough he might be able to get you to abandon the promise. Uh, but even though the enemy is attacking you and you're tired because you're trying to believe God but your life is going crazy while you're waiting on him to do what he promised. You're waiting on God to step in uh, but instead of coming to your rescue it seems like God is taking his sweet time but in spite of that beloved the beauty of your life is that no matter what it looks like you serve a promise keeping God. God I wish I had a church. Uh, God has never and will never forget about his children. I know it gets hard to wait and I know that sometimes you want to give up and throw in the towel and I know that it gets hard sometimes in the midnight hour but you've got to declare even while you're trying to navigate the darkness of your life. I know that it doesn't look good. I know that I still feel sick. I know that I still feel the anxiety. I know that the bills keep piling up but I still believe that sooner or later God is going to come through and no matter what it looks like I'm going to stay right here until God does what he said because in spite of all the hell and the high water in spite of all the pain and the pressure in spite of the trials and the tribulation it might look like it's too late but beloved if you're not dead then God's not done and yes the devil tried to kill you but you're still here so you've got to believe that he's still got time God help me is there anybody here who believes that God still has time yeah there were two realities then that you've got to live in if you believe that God still has time first of all you've got to believe God still has time uh, meaning that it's not too late for God to fix it I know it might look like it's too late it might feel like it's too late you might think time is running out but you've got to believe that God still has time to fix it oh God that God is still operating behind the scenes in this realm that the Greeks called mysterion the place where you cannot see God is operating behind the scenes to bring your destiny to pass and it might look like it's too late but God is not operating based on your time he's operating according to his perfect time look at somebody and say God still has time yeah but not only does God still have time God still has time uh, uh, God has time meaning that time is God's possession that it belongs to him so not only is it not too late but because God has time and time belongs to him if it ever got to a place where it was too late too late is never too late because God has the ability to work on and through time God help me oh God and some of you need to understand uh, that it's better to wait on God uh, because God's timing is best God help me uh, no matter how bad it gets while you're waiting you got to believe that because time belongs to God he's going to restore some of the things that you thought were lost forever he can turn back the clock and make your latter days God help me the days that are ahead of you better than the days that were behind you God has the ability to restore the years that the locusts have eaten y'all ain't helping me here God has the ability to take what you've lost and reverse it around because God still has time no matter how long you've been waiting on God and no matter how bad your situation has become uh, while you're waiting it's not too late keep on waiting because God still 
has time. God, help me. No matter how long it takes, God is going to keep his promises. And really, that's the lesson in this text. I got to move quickly uh, because in Genesis chapter 21 and 5, we're allowed to peek in briefly on a praise party that is happening because after years of waiting, God has finally kept his word. And he kept it to a man and his wife by the name of Abraham and Sarah. Now, you got to understand, uh, this was not a promise that came to pass quickly. God made the promise to Abraham when he was 69, almost 70 years old. But the text says that Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Oh, God, let me run that back in case you missed it. God made the promise a few months before Abraham turned 70. And the Bible says that the promise did not come to pass. He did not have it in his hand until he turned 100, which means that God waited almost 31 years. Oh, God, help me to bring the word to pass. God waited, God, help me, uh, 31 years to do what he said. But the reality of Abraham's life is that while he and Sarah were waiting on God to move, God was working behind the scenes to prepare them for what he promised. God, help me. Oh, God is preparing you uh, for what he promised. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is preparing you for what he promised. So how did God prepare Abraham? Number one, God prepared Abraham by giving him a promise. Genesis 12, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God promises Abraham that he's going to make him uh, the father of many nations. Yeah, God tells him. He comes to him uh, in a theophonic appearance. The angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and tells him that God is going to uh, give him Many children. God help me. And it is the word that Abraham receives from God that God uses to sustain him even in situations where it doesn't look like the word is going to come to pass. And you've got to learn how to remember what God promised you. Even when it does not look like God help me, God is going to come through. Oh God, some of you need to learn how to worship God and to praise him and to serve him on credit. God help me. Oh God. Uh, the way credit works. God help me. Uh, credit is when uh, a manufacturer or a producer of goods. Extends goods to you. Even when you have not put payment in their hand. Because based on your credit history. They know you can be trusted to come through with your obligation. And God says when I make you a promise. Uh, because I've never let you down before. Uh, you ought be able to trust me. Even though it's not in your hand because my credit is good. Oh, God. So he gives Abraham a promise. But secondly, he prepares Abraham by showing him the penalty of impatience. Yeah. God makes him a promise. And instead of waiting on God to fulfill the promise, Abraham and his wife Sarah decide that they are going to help God help me. God bring his promise to pass. Because they cannot see with their natural eyes, Lord help me, uh, how God is going to make it happen. Oh God, this is attributed to, hear me because I'm coming back to this, this is not just Sarah's impatience. 
uh, but it's also Abraham's weakness. Uh, because it does not matter how impatient Sarah is. If Abraham is the head of his house and he heard from God, then he should be able to handle his wife's impatience rather than succumbing to her impatience and doing something that is outside of the will of God. Oh, God. And you can't expect everybody to believe like you believe when they haven't heard what you heard. God, help me. Oh, God. Because the truth of the matter is in Genesis chapter 12, oh, God, uh, the angel was not speaking to Sarah. Uh, the angel was speaking to Abraham. God help me. And Sarah is is trying to base her faith on a word that she got while eavesdropping. But it wasn't her word. God help me. And some people, oh God, they question your faith. They question your faithfulness. They question what you're doing with your life. Oh, but they have not heard what you heard. And you can't expect them. You can't get mad at them for walking away. You can't get mad at them for not believing. You can't get mad at them for telling you you should quit. You just got to learn how to shut them off. Because they can't believe like you believe when they have not heard what you heard. Oh, Bishop, I think you're making that up. That doesn't sound like it's biblical. Well, let me point you back uh, to the first time it happened. The Bible says in Genesis that God spoke to Adam. And he told Adam that you can eat off of any fruit of any tree in the garden except that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a word that was not communicated to Adam's spouse, Eve. It is a word that God gave to Adam. And God expected Adam to legislate his home the way God legislated creation. God expected Adam to tell his wife and to manage his wife and his offspring the way God manages creation. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why when Satan came to attack them, Excuse me, he did not attack Adam because he can't attack the faith of the person who heard. He has to attack the faith of the person who heard from someone who heard. Do you hear what I'm saying? He attacks Eve and then Eve, because she is connected to Adam, God help me, Eve then gets Adam to move. So it's not necessarily Eve's fault that man fell. It's Adam's fault because you're not responsible for a word that you did not hear. Adam is responsible for the word. That's why God calls him the first Adam, and Jesus is the second Adam. There is no first Eve and second Eve, because the responsibility is not on Eve. The responsibility is on the head who heard. Adam and Abraham both make decisions in weakness, because they can't handle the influence of the person that's with him. And Adam, because he is so focused on stopping the nagging and the pain of Sarah in the moment, he does not use foresight to understand that his wife is asking for something that she really can't handle when it comes. Because the truth of the matter is, she didn't want her husband to have a baby with another woman. She just wanted her husband to have a baby. But she didn't think about the consequences of what happens when she brings another woman into their bed. And so the Bible says that while he was helping, trying to help God manifest, uh, he makes a mess. And he makes a mess and God teaches him that it's better to wait on me. God, help me. Than to try to help me manifest. How, how many of you understand you can't help God manifest? If you could help God manifest, then you wouldn't need God to manifest. If you could help God manifest, then you wouldn't have to pray. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't need your help. The only thing you can do for God is obey him. Somebody say amen. Yeah, but not only did God give him a promise, not only did God teach him the penalty of disobedience, but thirdly, God prepared Abraham by changing his identity. In Genesis 12, God changes his name from Abraham, or from Abram, excuse me, to Abraham. Huh. Abraham means father. But there's a problem, AJ. He changes his name, but he hasn't changed his situation. He changes his identity, but he hasn't changed the fact that he doesn't have any children. And so now everybody running around calling him father. God help me. But he doesn't have any children. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, God. But God tells him, I'm changing your name. The text says, because I have already made you the father of many nations. Even though as far as Abraham, all, all Abraham could see was an outside baby, an angry baby mama, an irritated wife. God says, I'm changing your identity because I'm making you something, God help me, that you can't see. And somebody needs to understand that God will change you before he changes it. Because the old you can't handle what God wants to do in your life. God, help me. Oh, God, and some of us, the reason why God won't bless us like he wants to bless us ultimately is because we won't allow the change to take place. Oh, God, we keep embracing who we used to be. We keep bringing that old person up and bringing those old attitudes up and bragging about how we used to get folk told and bragging about how this old me ain't dead yet. I'm saved, but I'm still being sanctified. No, that's not a badge of honor that you should wear. You should want that old person to die. I, I, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And God says, if you're going to get ready for the promise, I've got to change your identity. Okay, i got to quit. So when we finally get to chapter 21, verse 5, we see that God has finally kept his promise. Given Abraham a son through the womb of his wife, Sarah. And God didn't do it in the prime of Abraham and Sarah's life. But God did it. When Abraham was 100 years old, you've got to understand that the writer takes the time to let us know how old Abraham was when God finally did it. To teach us that no matter how long it takes, it's never too late because God is involved and God is in control. God still has time, and sooner or later, he's going to show up and do what he said. He's going to perform what he promised, and when he shows up, I'm going to be glad he took his time. So then I got three things I want to give you, three reasons why you'll be glad God took his time. Number one, I'll be glad God took his time, because while God was taking his time, he allowed me to see that he's able to make a miracle from the mess I made. Ishmael, Abraham's son, was a result of a messy situation that I told you was brought on by Abraham's weakness and Sarah's impatience. And to fix the messy situation, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 through 15, that Abraham had to send Ishmael, his son, and Hagar, his son's mother, away. 
in order to fix the situation, hear me clearly. God told him to send Ishmael and Hagar away. His wife was tripping, for real. She was tripping. Uh, Sarah was mad that Abraham listened to her and had an outside baby. And then when God finally kept his word and she had Isaac, she didn't want Ishmael around no more. Even though she the reason why Ishmael was here in the first place. That's why you can't allow emotionally unstable people to legislate your destiny. Stop letting people who are unstable make decisions for you. Uh, because when they finally have to see the fruit of the decision they talked you into, can't nobody help you out of it but you. Abraham now has a son that he loves. And his son's mother, who he cares for, who really didn't do anything wrong. She was actually the victim, if we bring it in today's vernacular, the victim of human trafficking. Because she was a slave and didn't have any choice. But now, she's having to pay for Abraham's weakness and Sarah's impatience. And Abraham has a messy situation on his hands. What are people going to say about this? I'm sending my kid into the wilderness where he's surely going to die. But in order for Abraham to have the mess fixed, he had to send it away. And what is God telling us by showing us that? Sometimes if you want God to fix the mess you made, you got to be willing to get away from it. You've got to be willing to take your hands off of it and allow God to handle the fallout. The reason why many of us are still in mess is because we're trying to fix the mess ourselves. We're trying to wait and see what people have to say about us. We're trying to wait and hear what the latest gossip is about our situation. We're trying to tell people that we didn't do that and fix our character in front of people who are determined to misunderstand us anyway. But God says that if you're going to really get the mess fixed, you've got to be willing to take your hands off of it. But not not only that, in Genesis 22, verses 12 and 13, read it when you get home. As Abraham is sending Ishmael and Hagar away, God whispers in Abraham's ear that he's going to still make Ishmael a great nation. He says, Abraham, I made a promise over you and your seed, that wherever your seed went, I was going to cause it to multiply. Even if it's not seed that I told you to sow, God says, I'm going to bless it because it's your seed. Read the text. The text says, I'm going to bless him because he is your seed. And God wants you to know that this is a season where everything that belongs to you is going to be blessed, even your mistakes. God, help me. Uh, God says, I'm going to bless even the things that you thought I could not use uh, because it's yours. And I promise that I was going to bless everything concerning you. And some of you are in the room today. You're watching this thing online because God blessed your mistakes. God, help me. God allowed some things uh, that you wish wouldn't have happened to work for your good. And that needs to be why you shout. Not because you've never done anything wrong. Uh, not because you never messed up. Not because there aren't any skeletons in your closet. There aren't any things that you've ever done uh, that you're ashamed of. No, you shout because we know, God, help me, that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I'm glad God took his time because he allowed me to see he's able to make a miracle from the mistakes I've made, but 
Not only that, I'm glad God took his time because God showed me while he was taking his time that not only will he keep his promise, but he will keep me for the promise. Look at this. The Bible says that Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. If you read Abraham's story from Genesis 12 to Genesis 21, there are a lot of battles that Abraham had to fight. There were a lot of dangers that Abraham went into. There were a lot of things that Abraham had to conquer. But the Bible says that in spite of all the things that Abraham went through, he still made it to see 100, to see his son born. And you've got to understand that God is going to allow you to live to see what he promised come to pass. If there is a promise hanging over your life, beloved, you've got to know that you cannot die until God keeps his word. But not only that, not only did God keep Abraham alive, here it is, God kept Abraham's desire alive because uh, babies, some kids in here, don't just come from nowhere. <laughs> Even if it's just for a brief moment, every baby is the product of desire. So in order for God to bring his promise to pass, he couldn't just keep Abraham alive, but he had to keep Abraham functioning and feeling, God help me, so that he could bring the promise to pass, which means two things. He had to make sure that Abraham was straight. He had to make sure that Sarah was straight, but then he also had to make sure that their relationship stayed together because when you're waiting on God, and you're not able to see it, that'll put a strain on the relationship. If you're a man and you're telling your wife, I believe in God, I don't know how he's going to do it, and your wife wants to have a baby, and you're saying, I don't know how it's going to happen. Every time y'all try, it doesn't happen. That can put strain on the relationship. But God somehow keeps them together so that when it comes time for them to do what God needs them to do so that he can do what he promised, God says, they still want it, God help me. And some of us have allowed time to take our desire, God help me. Uh, we've allowed the waiting season, the holding pattern of life, to make us no longer desire what it is that God promised. We tricked ourselves into being okay with it not coming to pass. But God says this is a season of your life where I'm going to keep your desire going. I'm going to keep that fire lit, God help me. My daughter, uh, she she made up a song, uh, God, and we laugh about it now, uh, but she sings it with all of her might, AJ. Uh, she says, fire and desire burning in my heart. We don't know what she know about fire or desire, but she'll sing it every now and then. And if you ask her now, if she don't get shame, she'll probably sing it for you today. Fire and desire burning in my heart. But what's interesting to me is she started singing that when she was around five or six years old. And at five or six years old, she understood that desire and fire are something that should be burning. God help me. 
Oh, God. And if a five-year-old knows that in order for fire and desire to work, they got to be burning somewhere. God says, I've got to make sure that your desire for what I promised you is still burning. God, help me. Is there anybody here? I know it's not that many of us sitting here. Somebody watching online. Is there anybody here who can say, I still want it? God, help me. Now, I don't know what your it is. I don't know what you're waiting on God to do for you. Uh, but your it, God, help me. God says, do you still want it? Uh, and God, I want everything that you have for me. Okay. <coughs> I got to quit. Um, I'm glad God took his time. Uh, because God allowed me to see that he's able to make a miracle from my mess. I'm glad God took his time. Because God showed me that not only will he keep his promise, but he'll keep me for his promise. But then thirdly, and I'm through. I'm glad God took his time because while taking his time, God used the time to teach me that his power is not affected by my human limitations. Yeah. God's power is not affected by my human limitations. Abraham, look here, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 80 years old. Abraham is too old to make a baby. Sarah is too old to have one. But God was involved. Okay? Uh, and it doesn't make sense until you think about the fact that God was involved. Because when God gets involved, Stanley, God can make it happen. Even when it don't make sense. God help me. Oh, God, I wish I had a church. God has the power to take whatever it is that you're waiting on, and he'll make it happen, God help me, even when it don't make sense. And if somebody would be honest in the building today or watching by way of live stream, this is your testimony. You are here today because God made it happen for you, even when the it that he was making happen did not make sense. God help me. Oh, God, you're driving what you're driving, riding in what you're riding in, living in what you're living in, working where you're working. You've got the life that you have, not looking like what you've been through because God made it happen for you, even when it didn't make sense. God, help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody in the building who can say, that's my testimony. God made it happen for me, even when it didn't make sense. God wants you to that no matter how long you've been waiting, no matter how hard it's been, no matter how difficult the day, God wants you to understand that he still has time. He still has time to come through. He still has time to make a difference. He still has time to make a way. He still has time. It's not over yet until God says it's done. It's not done until God says it's done. I don't know how long you've been waiting. I'm done. I don't know how long you've been waiting on God to do something in your life. I don't know how hard the day has been. But you've got to believe that God is making it happen for you. Stand to your feet all over the building. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for your power. And for your ability to make things happen for us, even when those things that we're waiting on don't make sense. God, I pray now for somebody who is in the crucible of despair. 
they are facing the dark night of the soul. They don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to come to pass. But God, they're believing you to make it happen. Even when the thing that they're waiting on doesn't make sense. God, we don't know how you're going to do it. We got bills. We don't know how you're going to pay. We got enemies. We don't know how you're going to fight them for us. We've got sicknesses. We don't know how you're going to heal them. And God, it might look like on our life clock time is running out. But God, we thank you that you still have time. We thank you that you're still able to make a way. We thank you that you're still able to do the impossible. And so, God, we believe you and we trust you. We thank you, God, that you're able to do the impossible. And God, we give you glory now. We give you glory in advance because we don't know how you're working, but God, we know you're going to do it. And so, God, we're not going to wait until the battle is over. We're going to shout now. We're going to give you glory now. We're going to praise you now. Because you are a God who is absolutely able to come through for us. And we give you praise for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord.